we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Slavery was abolished 150 years ago, and yet there are more people in slavery today than any other time in our history. I'm Dr. Marilyn Singleton, and welcome to this episode of America Out Loud Pulse, always a beat ahead. There's lots of social issues that have been listed as public health problems from housing gentrification to higher education. While public health officials are caterwauling about monkeypox, the pandemic of human trafficking, amassing billions of dollars, goes strangely silent. Somehow in the wake of Jeffrey Epstein and Jelaine Maxwell, all their high-end customers, all of human trafficking has been silenced. It seems like just to protect these pervert power brokers. Additionally, in the current administration's effort to downplay the immigration crisis at our southern border, the media have pushed the mute button on the human trafficking aspect of illegal immigration. Government authorities estimate that globally, there's probably 27 million people being held in captivity, and the CIA estimates that over 50,000 people are being trafficked into the United States every year. We will not be silent about this tragedy today. My next guest is an expert on this topic. Malinath Vong's family escaped from the Cambodian killing fields on foot when she was just a baby. They were a shattered family looking for a second chance at life. Malinath found her life's passion in two things, building businesses and advocating against the exploitation of women and children. She served as the executive director for Fair Trade Long Beach for two years, and then she founded the Global Fashion Mission, an international distributor of fair trade goods that gives back towards human trafficking awareness and survivors. Since June 2018, Ms. Vong has served as a core team leader for the Long Beach Anti-Human Trafficking Task Force and has worked in supporting homeland security investigations and providing services to international victims of human trafficking. Welcome, Melina Vong. Hello, Dr. Singleton. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you. Um, providing me this opportunity to speak into this uh, atrocity that our, our world faces. Well, I tell you, let's just start at the beginning. Uh, other than Jeffrey Epstein, who we've all heard about, who are the traffickers? You know, traffickers, I tell you, um, they are um, anybody, everybody across the board from young teenagers to, you know, white collared uh, everyday American workers. They can be blue collared workers. 
I'm telling you, it is a shock to many people, but to myself after hearing um, personally from a lot of the survivors that we've assisted or our fellow organizations, affiliate um, organizations uh, assisted, it's everybody. Just the other day, um, I had a good friend of mine share how an eight-year-old was being trafficked by an 11-year-old at school. Oh, my goodness. Uh, where was that? Can you say what, what state that's in? I can't pinpoint the state, but it is here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it just broke my heart as soon as I heard it. I go, man, these they're just being trained at such a young age. And we get to hear about it now because of how fast things can spread and go viral on social media. But I know for a fact, um, a dear close friend of mine, she was actually trafficked over 20 plus years ago by a neighbor, a fellow um, teenager at his grandmother's house. So I just want to bring, you know, some type of perspective for everybody here in your audience to understand that besides the big, you know, um, people as Jeffrey Epstein and there's so many other politicians and, and business um, models and, and the list goes on and on and on and on, but it's also the children at school. And as regards to the eight-year-old that's being trafficked, um, you know, the eight-year-old's just pretty much being bullied into being trafficked and being used. Um, what the kids do to each other is the fact they have cell phones. They would capture embarrassing moments and use it as leverage when they get that person to trust them and to do certain things. And once the, the girl is caught, you know, perhaps just taking a photo of herself and maybe, you know, a bralette or something, that kid will utilize it to leverage and show it to everybody. Well, so, what, did they, what did they have the, the child do? Oh, there's, there's no limitations to what they have the child do. You know, just imagine, uh, you know, a girl who is just um, wanting to be friends, you know, and and these perpetrators, they are able to identify someone who's shy, someone who's timid, and just get to know that person, build that person up. Oh, you know, you're beautiful, you're this or that, spend a little time with them. And before you know it, they're texting each other back and forth. And before you know it, you know, he's introducing, oh, you know, why don't you try this for me? You know, why don't you just... And so, you know, slowly the, the young girl is thinking that this is normal. This guy, she's flattered by the little boy. And uh, before you know it, you know, he has captured moments and she sent photos to him, not knowing and thinking in confidence that it's just between them. And so he would then utilize it, turn it around and um, leverage it to make sure she does what he wants her to do. Oh my goodness. That that's really sick. I was 
looking at one of the websites, one of the projects that helped some of these victims out. And one of the quotes from the victim was, I never knew any other life than being a prostitute. My first trafficker was my mother. I That just brought me to tears. I, I can't even imagine as a mother myself of prostituting your child and and thinking, well, maybe she was starving, you know, trying to give the mother the benefit of the doubt. But there is no excuse for that. And now hearing that the children, I mean, where's the morality? How how can a child do this? It's it's hard to even fathom. It is so hard. I'm telling you, it's so hard. Um, and I've been doing this, you know, for less than 10 years, but my heart goes out to any child, any woman that is exploited. And now, you know, hearing how the victims are getting younger, perpetrators are getting younger, the pimps are getting younger. It it is mind boggling, but you know what? This never makes the news. None of this ever makes it to, to, um, to the media as for anybody to even know about. And so these poor, um, you know, in, in this case, the child's case, the mother doesn't know. Mother, it's, it's normally a single mom. I've seen a lot of it, the single moms, they're working two jobs. They're trying their best to put a roof over the head for their family. And so therefore the, the, the girls, um, their children are left alone. They're vulnerable. They're left alone, they, they need attention and they seek uh, it with their friends at school. And um, unfortunately, it, this and the, the trend, you know, with with the culture nowadays, it's 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 basically it's okay to just take photos of yourself and just send it to someone who supposedly likes you and who's fond of you and who's trying to flatter you. They don't know the difference as far as the morale goes. You know, for me growing up, I, a lot of things I was taught was in my home, you know, was, you know, Sundays we go to church, we go to Bible study and you know, throughout the week, my mom instills our morale, our culture and what's, what is appropriate, what isn't appropriate. Um, and for a lot of these new, like this generation, they, they don't have their fathers or their mothers or, um, either one or even, you know, some don't even have their orphans. They're, they're just staying with maybe a relative or they're staying um, from house to house in the system. So it's just so difficult. What can we do as a society to, to bridge this gap? Well, one of the things that's interesting, like, you know, the people you mentioned are certainly the most vulnerable, but everybody could be a victim of trafficking. I mean, this idea, like you say, kind of the new way with the social media and people taking pictures and talking to strangers and saying, oh, I really know them. Well, you don't know them at all. There's somebody that you've only seen, quote unquote, on the internet. And now we have all these poor children that are involved in this gender confusion. And that's another avenue for somebody to reach out. Oh, I understand what you're going through. I'll, you know, kind of help you out and all this. 
the the social i'm i'm sure trafficking has gone on i mean there's white slave act from years ago for transporting women across state lines and all this but the social media aspect of it has made it where you wonder how i would let's just say i would hate to be a child now i don't know how the children deal with it i i would tell you my heart breaks because for our foundation with the project foundation we we try to educate them as young as possible you know starting in middle school we can go younger we'd like to but going into schools sharing about what a healthy relationship looks like and what and so that they're able to identify it it's like oh this is a red flag i'm not i can say no to this i don't have to say yes to this boy or this man or this person and once we're able to implement and 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 help develop what healthy boundaries look like for them so they can defend themselves and make the right and make better choices for themselves um so when they do come across something that is inappropriate or something that may seem just really odd they can say no or they can talk to somebody like an adult in the household or maybe reach out to a teacher um or someone they trust and even with that there's a fine line too because you hear a lot of cases where you know their volleyball coach has you know exploited them or molested them or touched them or created a uh, developer in uh, inappropriate relationship and things like that so where are the children left to go to? So it's really, really tough. But at the same time, that's why we need to equip them directly so they can make better choices to protect themselves. Well, this, I, I think, seems to be a problem across the board with a lot of, um, uh, let's say, not really abnormal, but just behaviors that are not good choices in life with kids. Sometimes I think they're just downright lonely that like you talked about parents working, you have both parents out of the house, the child comes home. What did that term that came up years ago, latchkey children? And um, now it's commonplace. It used to be something, you know, where they had a term for it because mm -hmm. that was a small number of kids. Now, and this crosses all socioeconomic groups. And I think that's something important for people to understand. It's not just the foster kids or the low-income kids or runaways. I mean, they're more vulnerable, certainly, but regular middle-class, upper-middle-class Kids who are lonely and confused can be sucked in by somebody. Absolutely. And, and th this is the sort of thing that, you know, when we talk, you know, as we kind of go through this, as far as things to do, and you kind of touched on it, and we'll go into it a little more deeply, is how we deal with the problem of 
loneliness in kids that makes them so vulnerable to this horrible, perverted trafficking. Um, after we come back from our break, I want to talk a little bit about what the traffickers do with the victim after they've procured them. So we'll talk about that in a moment. Thanks for listening to America Out Loud Pulse. As you know, we're always a beat ahead. We have free apps on Apple, Android, and Alexa. You can hear the Pulse every weekday at 5 with an encore at 10 p.m. and on iHeartRadio at 8 a.m. the next morning. You can also listen on our media player from any web browser anywhere in the world. The best part is all shows go direct to podcast in 24 hours. Episodes are on lots of podcast networks, Apple, Spotify, Pandora, TuneIn, Stitcher, and iHeart. So make it easy. Bookmark AmericaOutloud.com. Just to let you know about our lineup, of course, Mondays are with me. Tuesdays with Concerned Doctors, Dr. Jordan Vaughn and Dr. Stuart Tankersley. Wednesdays with Dr. Peter McCulloch and Malcolm Out Loud. Thursdays with Dr. Peter Bregan and Ginger Ross Bregan. And Fridays with our new addition, Nurse Jody O'Malley. So we also have a new feature, questions. If you have any, send them in at americaoutloud.com forward slash pulse and we'll see to it you get an answer whether it's for the host or one of the guests so we really like this new feature all right back to the show we know you love the versatility and portability of the genesis fogger but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it well we heard you introducing the ux4 hocl atomizer this stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com, where we're healing America one person at a time. Americans, we seek to form a more perfect union. To paraphrase Abraham Lincoln, we are a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. And God willing, we shall not perish from the earth. AmericaOutloud.com Liberty and justice for all. So before we took the break, this, I tell you, if I sound kind of like beaten down, it's because this is a down topic, but it's something we have to talk about. 
And I'm going to ask Miss Vaughn what these traffickers have their victims do. What, what are some of the, I don't know, other than prostitution, what else do these folks do? You know, other than prostitution, well, when it comes to tra human trafficking, you know, people often think it's only sexual or physical. Human trafficking victims are often forced through, yes, sexual, physical, or psychological violence due to perform work under slavery-like conditions. You know, they use tactics used by recruiters, traffickers, they associate, they often use the same tactics, um, but there's also labor trafficking where even in the US, labor trafficking is rapid as well, where you know 24.9 million people are victims of forced labor. And these are stats going back to 2017. And I know it's rising. It's 16 million people are trafficked through forced labor in the you know, private economy. The economy where it includes individuals, groups, or companies in all sectors of commercial, except commercial sex industries, 4.8 million people are trafficked for forced sexual exploitation. So just the gap between, you know, 16 million, their forced labors, and 4.8 million people are trafficked for forced sexual exploitation. But I know for this segment, We'd like to focus more on um, the people who are trafficked for forced sexual exploitation. And unfortunately, there's not just one thing that they do. You know, the minds of people who do these things. And I'm just going to speak truth right now, because as far as an age goes, there really is no age as far as how young the victim can be. I'm telling you, there's also babies that are trafficked. I recall four years ago when I was speaking to uh, a person that works in the, the same industry as I, and she says, you know, Melania, it broke my heart when during our investigation, we encountered rescuing a baby. And I looked at her so confused by this statement i'm like what are you what are you are you kidding what, what are you, I, i'm like what did you just say she goes yes a baby was trafficked i go what on earth can you do to a baby she goes it's not what you can do to the baby it's what the baby can do and she gestured something to me and that you know what babies do you know, she was just showing how they could suck her thumb or things like that. And I just said, I cannot, you need to stop right there. I can't, I just can't. Now that image has been haunting me ever since she shared that with me. And fast forward, even a few years ago, there were babies that, be, that were being rescued from being trafficked. And so to answer your question, there's not one thing. There are so many things. There's countless things that they do as far as, torturing them, beyond psychologically torturing them, um, beyond the physical uh, things that they do to beat them. They drug them, yes. They beat them. They exploit them sexually. There's perverse fetishes, things that they perform on them that they make them do 
out of their oil. And they don't care whether they're going to be alive or not at the end of it. I can what? tell you. Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I can tell you just from one person, they can, the jet, the revenue that is generated from one person can be $150,000 a year or more for them. What now would they sell that person for 150,000 or they use that person for 150,000 worth of whatever the service happens to be? It's worth whatever the service happens to be. Remember, when you sell drugs and you run out of drugs, there's no longer, you, you can't generate anything unless you buy more drugs to resell. When it comes to human beings, you can reuse them over and over and over and over again. What kind of sickos use the victims? I, you know, I kind of look at it like, okay, the traffickers looking at it like a business. How do they find the sickos who who make use of the victims? Oh, that is easy as dump it on the keyboard or typing something in on your phone. There's backpage.com that you can list. Oh, young so-and-so, you know, young teenager, virgin, whatever it is, and they get away with it. And there are things that they manipulate and lie online and they get away with it. If you, if you see a lot of the, um, uh, there's a, there's a ring that in LA, I believe, and, they just kind of put it out there for a young boy, uh, a young 10-year-old boy being available at this location. They typed in the location and then the person that came in to have sex with this young boy was an older male in his 50s. <clears throat> Caught on camera. And he huh. walked in and realized it was a sting. He goes, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. No, he knew exactly why he stepped into that room. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. And so they handcuffed him and took him to jail. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, I think sometimes people think these television shows, Law and Order, Special Victims Unit, and some of the stories they have are um, not true, but they are. And sometimes these are regular people. I'll tell you something a person who worked for our congressperson in Oakland was arrested. This is, well, now 10 years ago about. Um, he was her assistant and he was arrested for infant porn. And, you know, the yuck factor thinking of infant porn and what you were trying to describe in as ladylike way as you possibly could, that this was a congressional aide. So anybody can be a pervert. Anybody, any, I I'm trying to explain what it is, but it could be a woman as a pervert that's, that's pimping out children boys, girls, it could be a man, it could be anybody. So it's no longer just, oh, the men having sex with 
with children. It's across the board. You and I are, you know, we, you know, uh, especially when it comes to, there's so much that goes on nowadays, you know, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really happy that there are organizations that do assist boys and girls or women and men and um, bisexuals and pansexuals and all, because they, they, they do need the help. You know, they, they really do. There's just so much going on and there's so much people that are curious about how certain things, um, uh, what they can get away with, what they can do to, to push the line and what they can do to get away with it. And, and they feel their money can buy whatever it is because people are being sold as commodities online every day of the year. It's not seasonal. It's not cyclical. I mean, it's every single day throughout the day. There's a statistics, I, I, I forget where it's from, but then they wanted to, to see um, the most busiest time for um, prostitution to happen. And it happened to be during lunchtime. <laughs> Men would go, <laughs> they'd go during the lunch break, do what they need to do, head back to work. And it's a normal day for them. Then they're at home on time to be with their family. Oh my goodness. This, I, oh, I, you know, it's funny because I think that most fortunately, most people live a life that's, you know, kind of out of leave it to beaver for those of us old enough to remember that, or some sort of nice family grouping where people have problems and the your teenagers won't talk to you. And all, all those seem to be kind of normal problems. And it's hard to imagine that there are people out there who are enduring this and that there's dads or moms that you think are just the mom down the street and they're a trafficker or somebody who's using these kids. I mean, as a doctor, we have to report if we think people have been domestically abused, so-called mandatory reporters, most healthcare people are. But this whole trafficking, I, I'd like you to say, let people know, what are some of the indicators that a person is being trafficked? I mean, some know about um, domestic abuse, you know, bruises and stuff like that. But what are some of the things for just people to look for? Because this is a problem for all of us, not just people in medicine. Um, trafficking indicators. It, I can tell you, it is ever evolving. <laughs> I mean, oh, it, 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 it evolves because normally, um, you can tell whether it, it's a person who is besides scars or besides a, a change in their attitude. Like for, for example, there's a teacher, um, she came up to me because I often have like booth sessions um, at different locations and throughout the community. And she came up to me, she says, you know, there's this girl within our Long Beach district. And she says, she's very quiet, timid. I mean, 
And she just, you know, she was actually very talkative and very happy. And, and I noticed a slight change in her attitude coming to school. And even academically, you know, there was a slight change from being this overachiever to just maybe, um, you know, be, just being okay with getting a B or a C plus. And she says, I cannot believe it. She was absent, you know, not just for one, two, three days, for, for several days. Then the mother actually reached out to the school to inform them that that particular girl is missing and she left with her boyfriend. And so she felt so awful as a teacher she was thinking to herself, what could I have possibly have done to have prevented that? Instead of saying, oh, there is something different about her. And just kind of keep it to myself. What was something that I could have done, Malia, that could have changed and mitigated or prevented that from happening to that poor girl? And now we have to find her because she's, she's missing and She's with some some boyfriend who's in his early 20s. And this is a girl in middle school. And I told her, I said, when there's any type of indication in your case, in this particular case, where you do see a slight change, where her attitude has changed from being a happy girl, from being excited to being in school, and a over, being an overachiever, getting straight A's, to now not really caring about what she turns in. I said, it would behoove you to just take your time to sit with her and ask how she's doing and ask her what's going on in her life at home, making sure everything's okay at home or so that she can actually open up and share something so that it may lead to maybe you doing something about it. Because I can give you an example of a, an eight-year-old um, that's under uh, a daycare that my mom runs. The kid was acting up so much, I just took the time. I said, look, I know there's something going on. Is everything okay with you at home? Because this is not how you normally act. There must be something going on sat with him, had a conversa an adult conversation with him. And then guess what? He just spilled the beans. He told me exactly what's going on at home. He told me everything. And then I was able to console him and, you know, talk to his mom about it so that she can take it. Uh, so she can spend the time with him and, and, and uh, pretty much, love on him because he, he was feeling empty. He's feeling rejected. He's feeling she wasn't giving him enough time and she loves her younger, his younger sibling more than he does because, you know, so on and so on. So going back to this other girl, had the teacher just taken the time to just get to know what was going on, why the difference in her attitude and why she no longer cares about the things she's submitting. I believe without a shadow of doubt that that could have helped. Well, this is, this is, and, and this is one of those things. I think we feel like we're a Budinsky if we do anything, but one of the biggest things we notice with the domestic violence is 
when the person is with whoever the adult or the dominant person in the relationship is, they get submissive, they don't answer questions. And uh, this is this is one of the ways they uh, found that girl who disappeared in Lake Tahoe, that the person, the person who had kidnapped her many years before had her out in public. And the person at UC Berkeley noticed that he wouldn't let her talk. So we're going to talk some more about connecting with people. And I want to know more about your experience with Native Americans and this trafficking problem after the break. All right, you've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the povidone iodine-based nasal spray, Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Cofix RX banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free, love it, or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. So, Malia, I'd like, yeah. I, I know that you've spent a lot of time with Native Americans, and I'd like you to discuss your experiences there and what some particular problems are with regard to this trafficking issue. Oh, gosh. Native Americans. I, I've had the, the privilege and the honor to spend time with them last summer. And I was initially there for a church event, a three-day event that actually extended to seven weeks. And as I returned to, to this event, I was able to get to know a lot of women and children from the Navajo Nation and spend some time with them. You know, I actually spent some time with a, a few young girls and um, women from their mid-30s to about over 50. And then it dawned on me. I said, you know, after speaking to everybody, the common theme across the board was they knew somebody that was missing whether it be within their family, the network of friends, or just somebody that the friends or friends know. And for me, I'm like, wow, I've never experienced this before. That's this capacity. You know, that I was able to put together a presentation on diving deep into why are Native American women trafficked 
at such a higher rate than everybody across the board. I mean, in a study that was conducted on four sites in the U.S. and Canada, an average of 40% of women involved in sex trafficking identified as American Indian, American Native, or First Nations. Yet, Native women only represent 10% or less of the general population in the study communities. So, (laughs) exactly, I was just flabbergasted. I go, oh my goodness, what is going on? And, you know, being in... The industry that I am in assisting, you know, um, exploited women and children in California, I didn't hear too much about Native Americans. All I knew of was that they're high, but then I, I never really came across anybody um, that knew anyone that was trafficked. And it changed, my perspective changed at this event in Gallup, New Mexico having to be able to rub shoulders with the Native Americans there. In the U.S., the rape statistics in the U.S., it's one in five women experience complete or, you know, an attempted rape in their lifetime. But for Natives, it's one in three or more that is raped in their lifetime. Why? Could you, did you get a sense of um, are the women more submissive or what, what is it that makes them so vulnerable? You would not believe what I found out. It's simply because they are, it's easy, they're easy to access on the reservation or anywhere. Number two, they are exotic looking. So they fulfill a lot of fetishes of what perpetrators are looking for. They can look Asian, they can look Hispanic, they can look like almost any ethnicity. And they fulfill, like I mentioned earlier, so many fantasies of these perpetrators. A a Native American girl or woman in the market would go for a higher price than any other ethnicity across the board. It just, it's so sickening even to hear you say that sentence, they would go for a higher price. And it's hard to even fathom, but I mean, obviously it's happening. And uh, how's the law enforcement? I now Certainly on the reservation, they've got their own law enforcement, but are um, the regular federal enforcement, FBI, who all is involved in finding these traffickers? Um, That is, (laughs) I could tell you, these, this population, they're like sitting ducks. When you go on the reservation, a lot of people don't know this, but there's hardly any um, reception. So you can literally get away with almost anything if you don't have the right phone mm. on the reservation. And when and when somebody is called, you know, whether it be 
their, you know, their tribe, law enforcement or something like that, it, they don't respond. See, I lived in a place in California where when you call the police or law enforcement, they show up. They may show up 10, 20 minutes later or depending on, you know, the situation. And nowadays it takes much longer given the situation, but they do show up. For Native Americans, you're looking at four hours or maybe a couple days later. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I'll give you a, a real-time example. Two days ago, I have a survivor that I, I'm mentoring. She's Navajo. She's in Albuquerque. She originally is from Gallup. She couldn't find shelter in Gallup, New Mexico, with, between her and her two kids. And so she had to hitchhike all the way to Albuquerque. And we were able to, you know, to assist her while she's there. But I was actually upset that she hitchhiked and then she told me about it later. I'm like, are you kidding me? You put yourself out on the line again. But, you know, you know she, she made it there safely, thank God. And then to find out that the shelter did not have room for her until a few days later. So we put her safely at a hotel until she was able to go into the shelter. And eventually they were able to expedite her process and within, you know, a few months, get her a safe place to stay. Well, in Albuquerque, that is where her ex-husband um, is. And now, you know, he, he's been abusive, not just verbally, but physically, and the list goes on and on and on. She filed a restraining order on him. But one day, without knowing, she realized he had discovered her and followed her to her home. And so four in the morning, uh, about two days ago, she called me frantic and just shaking because she was just, uh, you know, filled with anxiety and fear because she did, she was that place where they put her in is no longer safe. She's been compromised. So he knows where she lives. She called the police and I was on the phone with her for about 45 to almost an hour. No one showed up. And so I had to calm her down. I had to speak to her and counsel her through this anxiety attack that she was having. And just to revisit it, I said, did they ever show up? She says, no, they never showed up. Mm -hmm. So she could have been, something terrible could have happened to her had the man been at the door, broken the window, forced himself in that little house of hers and done something to her and her children. Boy, and, that, th and this happens all the time in certainly regular domestic violence cases, this, this scenario, and certainly worse with Native Americans. They've, Native Americans have been so abused by our system. You know, when they were doing forced sterilizations in the heyday in the 70s before they were stopped in 1981, who had the most done to them without consent? Native Americans. By our own government. Yes. Yes. So who can they go to? Who can they rely on? Whether they're on the reservation or off the reservation, law enforcement isn't there for them. Everything that's in place right now has failed them. It's not working. So for me, 
I'm like, this is unbelievable. Another case where this young Native American girl was, you know, she's pregnant, she just gave birth to twins. And then less than a week after giving birth to her twins, she was beaten up. She was gang raped. And it was by the grace of God that she survived it enough to even go to the, to, um, the police station for them to write a report about what, to take a report about what happened to her. And it was so disgusting as far as how they responded. They looked at her and said, that didn't happen to you. That could have never happened to you. And they dismissed her. Well, I'm sure this happens more and to others, not only just Native American girls, that they're not believed, they're not, they don't. I think people don't want to believe it and that you have to be in a position now, the way this country is now, where our morals seem to have gone out the window, that if somebody tells you something, and as bizarre as it may seem, that these days, it's likely true. Yes, there are hoaxers, and I get so angry with people who you know, make false nooses and pretend that there were racial things or that fool in Chicago, Jesse Smollett, trying to say that he was racially attacked and all that. And those are the ones that get on the news, the fake, but there's real out there. There's a lack of morality out there and we've got to believe it. And I say you believe the story till proven otherwise. Yes, just like, you know, and people are questioning, why doesn't tribal law enforcement do something? Well, a lot of people don't know that back in 1978, the U.S. Supreme Court case of Olympat versus Squamish Indian tribe stripped tribes of the right to arrest and prosecute non-Indians who commit crimes on Indian land. They can only be arrested by a U.S. county or state officer who, between United, who in reality, it's like they would be there to be readily available for a variety of reasons. That's right. <laughs> and, That's right. <laughs> and so it makes no sense to me why the Supreme Court at that time would do that. Oh, and- I, I, I think we, we know, Melina, that there's a lot of <laughs> politics involved in everything. But, but the Supreme Court has allowed re- before uh, the, well, I guess they're still not legal. Some of these psychedelic drugs are okay in a religious ceremony. So, you know, they, they have made these interesting decisions, but who knows when it comes to uh, the American Indians, you really wonder, you really wonder. Uh, you do. And up until this date, this has not been overturned in any way. Well, somebody's <laughs> going to have to try to challenge this again, especially with everything that's going on and I just hope 
that this whole trafficking issue is given as much press as all this other junk that isn't really diving in into the core. I just think about our young folks. If this is happening to the young folks, I can't imagine some of these survivors that you counsel, how they go on to ever be normal after having something like this happen. It is, it's a long journey. It is very long. I mean, I, they have their ups and downs and they really, really try. So, you know, for what I, my goal is, you know, I have gone back to Gallup, New Mexico, and we've set out a plan to open up a safe haven for women and children there because of the lack of resources, you know, and, and so um, we're in the process of locating um, land right now. I do have a Navajo friend out there who is trying to obtain what she's inherited. So potentially maybe we could just develop on her property. And I, I need this place to be safe. I want them to be able to have the time and not constrain them to, oh, you're only allowed to be here for, for one month, two months, or three months. You really can't put a date on how long they the help that they need to be poured into them as far as how they come out of it. You know, they come wounded, but we want them to leave as warriors. So however long it's going to take, um, we want to be committed because I know every single case is different. And with them, obviously, it's tough for them to trust anybody. And I don't and I don't blame them. I, I don't blame them for not trusting anybody. So to develop this relationship, to get them to the point of trusting me and, and the organization I'm working with, it takes time. It really takes time. And it really takes, you know, you have to care about it. Because if you don't care about it, you're not going to want to make the time for it because it's a huge endeavor. And so for me, I'm like, if I don't do it, then who's going to do it? You know, so we can. I, I think with what you said, that's so true. And there's something William Wilberforce, the great abolitionist, said. He said, you may choose to look the other way, but you can never say again that you did not know. And I hope after our talk today, a lot of people will be made more aware of this issue. It's happening. It's worse in some places, like the Indian reservations, but it's happening everywhere. It's been prosecuted in almost every state in the United States. And everybody's probably walked past a trafficked person. And I just think it's up to all of us to keep our eyes open and to not let your kids be lonely, not let any, we shouldn't let anybody be lonely, but definitely these kids. I'm going to give the number of the National Human Trafficking Hotline. It's 1-888-373-7888. 1-888-373-7888. And that's the National Human Trafficking Hotline. So if anybody has any inkling, don't hesitate. You can call 
And as with all these things, you know, you can remain anonymous, so you don't have to worry about retaliation. And I thank Melina Fong for coming tonight and talking to us about this. And I'm sure she'll come back. And um, it's grim, but these are conversations that we need to have. Thank you, Melina. You're welcome. And again, Dr. Singleton, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate your time. And human trafficking is real, everybody. It's happening every second, every minute, every hour. You know, every four minutes, there's it's the statistics that have been recorded. That's just numbers that are close and that are just estimates. But the real numbers, the, the numbers that are unreported, I, I can't imagine and I can't even think about um, how many more children and women out there that are being exploited and that are not, they don't have the resources or the protection or, or anything as far as how to escape this type of lifestyle or you know that they didn't even choose. No one wakes up in the morning saying, I wanna prostitute myself. Exactly. No one wakes up in the morning <laughs> and says, and say to themselves, like, I, this is what I want to do um, for the rest of my life. So and, you know, it's, it, it's up to us. It's up it to is. us. And I just thank all of our listeners for listening to our show. And you know, you can listen on our apps. You can listen every weekday at 5 and at 10 Eastern and on iHeartRadio the next morning. You can listen on the media player, and you can listen to the podcast, and it makes it easy to share on Apple, Spotify, Pandora, TuneIn, and Stitcher. So, and remember, you can ask questions. So if you have them, just send them to americaoutloud.com forward slash pulse. So whether you agree or have other opinions, please share the show. And thank you for listening to America Out Loud Pulse. Always a beat ahead. And until next week, say it loud. I'm free and I'm proud.